This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Danny Weitzman. He's the co-founder and COO of Lucky Orange, the conversion optimization suite responsible for helping 90,000 plus websites turn more visitors into customers. He's got a background ranging in brand management to lead generation, and he understands exactly what businesses, agencies, and clients expect and demand. He can be found contributing regularly at Forbes.com. Danny, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right. Tell us about Lucky Orange. What's the revenue model and how do you, uh, what's the business do? Yeah, great question. So really, we are a typical SaaS model subscription as a service. Um, users start with a free trial, all features included in all plans. Uh, and from there, we really help guide you into a plan that works best for you and your business. That could be dictated based upon if you're an agency and you want to track many sites, um, if you're a high volume site and you need a lot of page views, uh, or maybe you're a site that you want to have a lot of operators logged in. We're going to find a plan that works best for you. Um, All plans, all features start at just $10 a month for unsampled data and it really scales up based upon your needs. And really, we like to kind of from a holistic standpoint, the value we provide should way outweigh the cost And so we understand that analytics or insights, as we like to refer to them, is just one part of a sound business model. So we really believe from a pricing perspective, how we fit into your overall strategy should allow you to then have money left over to then implement on the insights you're going to learn from Lucky Orange. You go from from Danny mm -hmm. from 10 bucks a month all the way up to 100 bucks a month. What's the average customer paying per month, would you say? Yeah, we typically see transaction values around that $35 a month price point. So it's kind of a hybrid. And that really is dependent on, you know, are you coming to us from a third party partnership we have where you have a lot of high volume customers that are more self-serve. But then we also have a whole separate um, really revenue that comes from users that are more enterprise custom plan focused. What percentage of your revenue comes through the partners that you have? Um, a good chunk of it. Uh, it's really like more than 50%. When, uh, not from any one specific partner altogether so re- though, as a channel altogether as a whole revenue partnership is probably closer to about 40%. Um, and, and so, and, but it's really distributed across multiple partners and, and really Are those the way white we, label solutions. I mean, how does that work? No, it really works upon, um, just having, we'll call it plug-in directory availability. So when you look at Lucky Orange and the value you can provide, the very first barrier to gaining those insights is, can I even get this code on my website? Um, you know, so for those businesses out there that, um, you know, they're going out of themselves or they're lean on the team and they may not always have access to development support, um, the ability to just, hey, let's click this button or let's have simple one, two, three step installation instructions removes that first barrier, which of course is again, can I even get this code on my site? And that's why partnerships has been really great for us, not just in terms of brand awareness, but even simplifying the installation process. 
Yeah, I mean, look, onboarding is critical. It means that a larger percentage of your visitors obviously convert into a trial and, a, and a obviously a paid plan. What have you been able to scale that to? How many customers are you serving today? Yeah, I mean, we just looked and I mean, we're probably mid 15 plus thousand active paying customers or, or more. So it's um, it's definitely growing from that perspective. But that doesn't necessarily reflect the amount of websites we're tracking as um, one account could have 100 sites underneath it, you know, and count as one paying customer. So it's it's been really unique to see how the customer need has evolved, allowed us to kind of evolve the product to fit that need. So Danny, just to be clear, you've got 15,000 kind of unique people paying you. They may have 10 websites under them of varying sizes. One might get a million hits a month. One might get 10 hits a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's good. And really that number kind of ranges. Um, again, you can have a client, as you mentioned, who's doing hundreds of million pages a month and it could be a, the first time Shopify or a big commerce store who's got a hundred page views a month. And, you know, there, it, it, what's I think really interesting about that and what that story is telling is that whether you're a huge enterprise and you have analytics divisions and, and people who can analyze these numbers or you're selling bicycles and you can't be behind a computer all day, we all have this thirst for understanding of what's really happening on our website and what are the simple things I can do to learn from my visitors to improve these conversion rates. It might be as simple as a certain call to action did not work or a price point was confusing or a capture on a lead form. But we all want this knowledge and we want to, what we say, pull back this digital curtain to provide this transparency. So that way, again, whether you're... Yeah, Danny, I I think we totally get the value of the product. So I want to shift from kind of you sharing what the product does to actually how you've driven the growth of the company. Most of my listeners are CEOs, private equity, VC. They're more interested in that. So I totally get the value proposition. You made that really clear. Um, When did you launch the company? And and were you there at the beginning? I know you're COO. Yeah, absolutely. So Co-founded with, uh, funny enough, my brother-in-law, Brian Gruber. Uh, our wives are twin sisters, not identical. So the important distinguish there, um, people always ask about that. This really started, um, we like to say, started with Brian creating the technology and we really came together to form this business. Um, In what year? This was probably 2014. Okay, so fairly recently. Yeah, fairly recently. And you've already scaled. I mean, if I'm doing the math, you've scaled to 15,000 customers at a $35 ARPU. I mean, what, you guys are around 525 grand a month in revenue currently? Uh, Well, we don't really disclose full revenue amounts. Well, Danny, um, just tell me where the numbers are wrong. You just gave me those two numbers. It should be a simple math equation. Why would that math equation not be accurate? A lot of different variables, but I I want to get back to you. You had a really good question, which was, the evolution of the business. Well, no, Danny, but I want to make sure I get the numbers right first because those are wrong. Your the evolution story will be different. So, do you not have fifteen thousand customers, or is the price point higher or lower? Well, price point will um, it's variant based upon what metric we're looking at in terms of is it um, you know subscription from the subscription model, credit card, is it from invoice. So it, 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 there, are, there are some other v- variables that will go into that equation. Okay, but you're, you're, you are a pure play SaaS model. Everyone is paying you on a monthly recurring basis. Well, I don't really care if it's via credit card or, on your website or invoice, right? Well, I, I mean, it's not always, um, it could be biannually too or annual model. Okay, but regardless, if you take if it's biannually or if it's annually, you divide by 12 months, that's how you get a monthly ARPU. So generally well, folks yeah, are paying I, 35 bucks a month. Equation. So, yeah, correct. Okay, so where's my math wrong? Because if I take 15,000 customers times 35 bucks, that's 525 grand a month in revenue. It sounds like you're not there yet. We're, well, we're not there yet, but there, there is, I mean, there are some other variables to it. But We'll share um, those. That's I, what I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the variables. 
Uh, which variables in particular? Uh, well, I don't know them. That's why I'm asking. What variables would lead that multiplication problem not to not equal that? Well, we, again, we're looking at other things that would, in, in terms of how the revenue is coming in from the different sources, the different price points, um, customers that are, you know, on and offline. Um, so, a, a, again, there are a few other variables that will play into the fact of it, to it. Okay. Um, Before, Danny, you get more into the evolution, and I, will sh- yeah. I promise we'll shift away from the numbers here in a second. I mean, can you give me a general range of where you're at today? I mean, are you guys above 300 grand a month, or is it significantly lower or significantly higher? Uh, it's currently lower. Okay, lower than 300. Yeah. Okay, and have you guys bootstrapped this thing, or have you raised capital? Totally bootstrapped the whole way through it. Um, we, you know, we took part in an accelerator earlier on that was more meant to be kind of just a milestone of where are we, how are we, you know, are we getting some early on guidance? Um, so a small accelerator we took place in, but really it's been bootstrapped. How much money did they give you? 18 grand. Okay. So super small. Did they take like what? Oh, 6% yeah. equity or something? Dilutable. Yep. 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 Um, which, which accelerator was that? It's called Spark Lab. They were out of Kansas city. And you guys are still based there, right? Still based in Kansas City, Kansas, yeah. I love that. What have you grown the team size to? So just now we brought in our ninth team member, um, and we've kept it relatively lean intentionally. You know, we really want to be let technology be the solution, and then let us be the people behind the technology to help um, you know drive it from both a customer service standpoint or a sales standpoint. So um, we've really utilized really good tech out there to help us, you know keep the team lean, but still it, provide are they all in Kansas city or are they all remote? Everybody's in house. That's awesome. Where are you recruiting developers from in Kansas city? Uh, okay. This is a really great question. We've recruited anybody from, uh, one employee used to work at Hobby Lobby. Uh, if you're, if, I'm not familiar with Hobby Lobby, they're a craft store. Um, but he was there just working the floors of Hobby Lobby, but always had a heart and passion for development and tech and really was self-taught. Um, another guy recently moved to the area and tried to, um, did some other startup type things. Um, someone else from another startup here in town. So it, it's really been kind of, um, a mashup of, of talents of people who are really self-taught. Um, we've had people who've had marketing backgrounds and wanted to go into, um, reading weather patterns and ultimately just have a love for development. So it, it it's been really neat to see how, um, these people who have a really thirst for knowledge, um, you know, become self-taught. Why do they go to Lucky Orange though? Why not go to one of the other big tech companies in Kansas City? I mean, are you using equity to bring these guys in and incentivize them? Well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're providing, a, I, I think more than anything else, a culture that works for some people. One of the really things we do as part of our interview process is we help the applicants um, interview us because we're not the right fit for everybody. Um, similarly, every candidate will not be the right fit for us. They might hit every checkbox. Yes, you can pass our test. Yes, you can pass our code. But culturally, you may not like what we have to offer. You know, some people really want, um, as you mentioned, a more a larger environment where they have more um, specific set schedules and time off policies. And, and some people really appreciate that structure. Some people have come from that world and they're like, you know what? I want a change of pace. I, I you know, um, I, I, you know, I want a different lifestyle. I, w- I want to start blending more of my family. And we really recognize and appreciate that. It might be because Brian and I ourselves are family or that we both have young children. So we certainly appreciate this work-life balance and we try to put it to action, not just on paper, but really encourage our, our family. Um, and we, we call them our family, our team members. Um, to treat this as extension of family, bring your family in from time to time, let them hang out in the office if you want to, 
um, you know, providing weekly checkups to make sure you're taking time off. Yep. Got um, it. So makes good, makes good sense. It's the culture. It's the culture that's pulling these folks in, but you're, you don't have a big equity pool. You're not giving new developers two, three, four, five percent 5% of the company. Well, I, I, right now it, it, it's just, I, I think oftentimes when you see people being brought in from equity, it's oftentimes the offset risk, um, or offset salary. Yeah, but you're, you're really risky. Well, I, I would, I would argue that point because we, we're, you're way riskier than going to a Facebook or an Amazon or a bigger tech company. You're, you're a three-year-old company with less than 300 grand a month. They're occurring revenue that's bootstrapped. So I, I think you need to define what risk looks like. So is, is, if I go to big company, big company has layoff, are they less risky because they're doing more revenue? Um, or can I provide and meet what the comp- what that person is looking for, which is a stable income, which we can guarantee. I don't, Danny, um, as a, early, sorry, as an early startup, I, I trust me, I've interviewed about 2000 of these. You, you are significantly more risky in terms of going out of business and stopping and having to say, Hey, we can't make payroll this month. than a established tech company, uh, that's growing quickly like Amazon or Facebook. I'm just curious, those battles happen in Kansas city. I'm just curious how you're winning those battles besides culture. Well, I, I, again, I, um, I'll, I'll politely refute because I think risk is, is, is a matter of concentration, right? So if our revenue, all right, you'll see a typical bootstrap model where they onboard two, three really large accounts, and that's floating the business. Our revenue model, not even our largest customer doesn't even make up half a percent of revenue. So we look at metrics like um, churn and things like that to understand how we're projecting that we won't onboard another hire till we're absolutely sure we have plenty of run rate. What, what is your that. churn today? Under 3%. That's, oh, 3%. Logo, that's logo churn monthly? Yes. Okay. So again, we'll, we'll have, we can have a month that we hit four certainly and we'll have months, but it's a, it's in that three to 4% range. That's healthy. So you assume you just do one divided by, you know, 0.03 or 3% to assume the average customer stays with you for about 30 months. Is that how you do lifetime value? Yeah. And again, another tricky equation as when you're in an earlier stage, um, and I'm not exactly sure at what point you become a startup versus small business. I don't know if that's a revenue model. I don't know if it's a way of thinking. I don't know if, but at, at some point, um, you know, you start to look at those metrics and say, all right, we're, we're keeping them on board. We can justify the cost. And for that matter, um, do we risk losing employees because people start feeling over capacity? So that's another internal metric we look at for um, our own employee satisfaction. Are, are we overburdening em- employees? Um, so we, we do look at internal um, employee capacity as a metric for you know, are we a good point for headcount? Yeah, Danny, what do you mean? What do you mean by that, though? I mean, I mean, you could have one customer that makes up ten million bucks a month in revenue, and it's totally verifiable to put to put ten people on that account. I don't understand what you're saying by by or how do you tell me how you measure if someone's overcapacitated? Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm talking about. Um, all right, let me answer two different points there. So the first one is yes. Would we love to have a customer paying you 10 bucks a month? Sure, who wouldn't? But then to your point, you're going to staff up 10 people. Well, what happens a year from now? Uh, when that customer after the first annual cycle says, thanks, but no thanks, we're done. What do I do with those 10 employees? Redistribute them? I'd, I'd you know, Danny, I get, sorry, tell me about your model. I mean, look, I can make the yeah. same argument about 15,000 customers. You have 15,000 customers paying you nothing, but they send you three support emails per month, which takes up an hour of your each person's time to reply to. That can be, you know, that can be risky. Right. So what, when I talk about is looking at the internal um, metric for like capacity that we're referring to. It's we, we know we want to have a healthy dose of customer support where we're actively working on, you know, chats coming in, uh, feedback coming in through the website, um, and, and those tickets, and then balancing that with 
user enhancement. What are the features that are being requested? What is the next tier things that we want to provide? So that way we're not always just kind of chasing our own tail of resolving issue, resolving issue, but also enhancement, enhancement. So we try to look at uh, at our daily and weekly capacity from uh, both a development standpoint and sales standpoint of how much of that time is spent um, supporting customers versus what can we do to keep growing our user base. What are you growing at right now year over year in terms of revenue, would you say? Uh, it, it's seen about anywhere from 100% growth to 80% growth. Okay, so between 80, so if you're doing, I mean, it sounds like you're somewhere around 100 grand-ish or something like that, maybe 200 grand today. You're about half that about a year ago? Yep. Okay, got it. And what is driving most of the growth, getting new customers or getting current customers to pay more? Uh, good question. So certainly just creating a larger pool. So top, top of this line funneling, you know, bringing in more users and creating that, um, you know, more partnerships and brand awareness through traditional PPC to, um, other distribution models. Uh, but then recently new efforts into growing, um, you know, average transaction value that could be through things like increasing storage lengths of the customer. So if you're a typical customer stores for 30 days, um, incentivizing them to store for 60 or 90, um, finding ways to help people realize they're reaching capacity and probably should be on a larger tier plan. Um, and, and it can be tough, sure, because, you know, we really provide va- the same level of value and service from our, or, you know, entry plans to our higher paid plans. Um, so there is sometimes difficulty in wiggle room into increasing that transaction value. Yep. Last questions here. We're out of time, but last few here. CAC, what do you spend to acquire a customer quickly? Uh Difficult one, but again, it, we typically try to get it around that $50 price point from a PPC model, um, but a lot of our users are virtually zero customer acquisition costs, but we pay rev shares behind them. Okay, cool. Makes sense. And if you're paying 50 bucks on a $30 a month plan, you're getting paid back in two months, which works for Bootstrap Company. It allows you to yep. stay cash flow positive. All right, let's wrap up here uh, with the famous five. One word answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Disaster Artist. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Brian Gruber. Number, Brian Gruber? Brian Gruber, CTO. Okay, number three, is there a a favorite online tool you have for growing the business besides your own? ProfitWell. ProfitWell. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Seven. That's good. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Married with three children, all girls, Supposed to be boys, but I love them anyway. And how old are you, Danny? I'm 33. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, Invest in Bitcoin. (laughs) Invest in Bitcoin. There you guys have it. Danny, CEO, Lucky Orange, founded it with family members back in 2014. Now up to nine people, bootstrapped in Kansas City. Again, helping you and helping a lot of folks understand what website visitors are doing, understand how to drive up conversion rates. They're currently serving 15,000 customers, uh, doing, you know, north of 100, between 100 and 200, maybe 250 grand per month in revenue. Economics look healthy, 3% logo churn monthly, spending about 50 bucks to acquire those customers with a two-month payback period. Danny, thank you for taking us to the top. I really appreciate everyone's time.